This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Knutson, and you are tuned in to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. That is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. And in today's episode, you get both Anthony and I. It's something a little different for you. We're both talking with Dory Clark today, the best-selling author and branding expert, who provides us with some great takeaway actions for establishing professional credibility and how we ensure we broadcast our professional relevancy in the right way throughout our entire engineering careers. Now, this is a key component for long-game career planning. That is, over the life of your career, you're going to change focus areas, you're going to acquire new skills, maybe you're even going to go through an entire career transition into something that might not even be in engineering. And whether it's just a minor change or new skills you've picked up or a major transformation, you're going to need to be able to transmit this to your network and to the world, and you're going to need to be able to do it in a way that's not only relevant, but is credible and is done with authority, and really it's just with clarity. And Dory is a verifiable expert in this arena. I know you're going to find something from this show that you're going to be able to take away as a definitive action item. And to help you out on this, make certain to download the eight action steps to a total or continuous engineering career reinvention worksheet that we put together based on the material covered in the conversation with Dory today. And that, along with the show notes and links to any of the books we touch on, during the interview, are going to be able to be found at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash podcast. Bunch of great information over there. And definitely check out the download. I think you're going to be able to find that as a great little resource that you can use to go through those eight steps. Now, before we get into the main segment of the show, I want to take a moment and recognize our sponsor, PPI, for today's episode. Now, if you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam preparation. And for a special 15% discount, you can use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach, and use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. And we'll hear a little bit more from PPI at the end of the show. All right, now I want to give you a quote that's related to today's topic, and it's going to bring us into the main segment. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow noted that we judge ourselves by what we feel capable of doing, while others judge us by what we have already done. And now, the one and only, Dory Clark. Now it's time for the main segment for today's episode, and I'm very excited to have with me Dory Clark. Dory's a marketing strategy consultant, professional speaker, and frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Time, Entrepreneur, and the World Economic Forum blog, and she's the recognized branding expert by the Associated Press, Fortune, and Inc. magazine. She's the author of Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future, which we're going to unpack in this interview, as well as Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It, which is another title I highly recommend you go check out. She consults and speaks for a diverse range of clients, including Google, the World Bank, Microsoft, Morgan Stanley. Well, the list goes on and on with names you're all familiar with. The show notes for today's show are going to be at teccpodcast.com or just go to engineeringcareercoach.com and go to the podcast tab at the top of the menu. 
Those show notes are going to contain a summary of all the key points discussed in today's interview, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, and the books that we're going to mention during the episode. And Dory, again, very, very excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And I've got to give a shout out to Suzanne Rowan. Um, Suzanne and I uh, had an opportunity to talk with each other back on episode 80 of the Engineer Career Coach podcast on how to work a room and do networking. And I'll tell you, Dory, she is 100%. She walks her talk because she's the one that got the two of us connected. And I'm very, very appreciative of that because we've got some great information to talk about and to share with our, with our guests today. So again, thanks a lot. And I want to just go ahead and just jump into this because for a lot of the engineers that are out there, they're going to be thinking, okay, well, why am I sitting here having listening to this podcast about rebranding? This stuff sounds like marketing. And in a way it is, but it's a little bit more important than that. And maybe, Dory, you can kind of unpack for us here. What does rebranding mean in regards to an individual from a professional standpoint? Well, one of the things that I discovered during the course of researching my first book, Reinventing You, was uh, I had a conversation with a guy named Stephen Rice, who was the head of human resources at the time for Juniper Networks in Silicon Valley, and now is actually the chief human resources officer for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And when I interviewed him, he said something interesting, which is that when he was conducting really high-level interviews for people who were applying for jobs at Juniper, He said that he always had one question that he liked to ask people, and that was, how are you reinventing yourself? And the reason that he asked that is that he was convinced that not just in Silicon Valley, but across the world, across professions, the world is changing fast enough that the job that you're hired for today is not going to be the same job that you are going to be asked to do in two years. Just the the world is shifting, needs are shifting inside corporations. And so it becomes really essential to reinvent yourself and to keep moving the ball forward. But the tricky part, this is where it overlines with rebranding, is that unless you communicate your reinvention to other people, unless other people know that you are growing and moving and changing and advancing your skills, they are going to keep thinking of you in that same way as when they first formed their opinion about you. Their perceptions are increasingly going to be out of date. And so we need as professionals to take control of our professional reputation so that other people can really see what we can contribute now, not five years in the past. I guess on the reinvention side, ties especially for engineers because we spend a lot of our time in, in doing continual education, continual development for ourselves professionally. And that's really on the technical side, let's say. But we're talking, you know, not maybe not only the technical side, but maybe some of the other skills, perhaps even some of the other focuses that we have in our lives. Do you view the this reinvention process as a continuous process, or is this something that you wait until there's some kind of a transformational shift before one takes actual action to try to essentially share that with the rest of the world? Well, I, I think of it actually in both ways, which is to, the way that I like to conceptualize it is that there is a capital R reinvention and a lowercase r reinvention. And the capital R reinvention is when there is kind of a big moment or a big disjunct that you need to navigate. And that could be that you lose your job and you need to come up with another plan. It could be a more voluntary switch where you decide that you want to switch companies, you want to switch functional roles, you want to just do something a little bit different. But it's something that 
represents a major shift in your life. And those are moments that can be traumatic. They have the potential to be traumatic because if you're making a big change, things can happen. It can be a little bit complicated or discomforting. And what I have learned through the course of my research and writing Reinventing You is that the antidote to that, the way to make the big changes in your life less traumatic and more positive and more exciting is to keep up with a regular regimen of lowercase r reinvention, meaning what are the ways on an ongoing basis, a daily basis, a weekly basis, that we are pushing ourselves to learn and to grow and to experience new things so that we don't just stand in place for two years or five years or 10 years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, my skills aren't up to date. Oh, I don't have any connections. My network sucks. And then it becomes a huge problem. If we keep pushing ourselves to have a reinvention mindset all the time in small ways, then it actually makes it pretty easy and pretty seamless when those big moments of change arrive. That's a concept that I think a lot of engineers can wrap their heads around, especially any that are involved or have done any work with uh, continuous improvement. Continuous improvement from a from an engineering standpoint, I mean, this is sort of like the law of 2%, incremental improvements or Kaizen, if you want to even get into the Six Sigma realm. It's something that I, I think is, you bring up a really good point, Doria, because it's something that even for myself, is I was getting ready to make my navigation from my career as, a, as an active duty Air Force officer into this new career in, uh, in leadership coaching and uh, strategy coaching and all this work that I'm doing with, with writing and podcasting could be a very transformational change and even somewhat painful. I took a lot of steps and a lot of actions to, to try to make it incrementally, although I got to tell you that sometimes it's difficult to do that. Just because of the fact that because you're going into uncharted waters, it's sometimes difficult to be able to navigate exactly where you're headed. And so with any of the research that you were doing and putting reinventing you together, did you ever come across situations where you had professionals where they, you know, they had a pretty good idea what where they wanted to go, sort of like a Polaris or a North Star, but it was really difficult for them to be able to lay out the incremental steps that they needed to take to be able to get from point A to point Z. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is a, a common problem. People have have challenges, of course, at, at every step along the way. Some people have trouble with that first step of really envisioning what could be different in their lives. Or, you know, I'll often get asked the question, well, you know, what? how do I know what my passion is? Or how do I know what possibilities are out there? So some people struggle with that. But absolutely, there is a, a fair share of people who have that vision. They know what they want to do, but the steps are mysterious. They're not exactly sure what the best way is to do it. And so that's actually really why I wrote Reinventing You, because for me, I was I was essentially involuntarily uh, forced to reinvent myself. It started for me, my first job out of graduate school was that I was a political reporter. And uh, I did that for about a year. And then I got laid off in, in sort of the early wave of newspaper layoffs during the last decade. And as a result, you know, I, I, th I thought, oh, well, I'll just get a job in another paper. But they weren't there. They really didn't exist. And so I had to do a, uh, a career change that I wasn't planning on very early in my career. And that really clued me into the, to the process. And it made me want uh, later on to write this book, Reinventing You, where I interviewed dozens of successful professionals who had made the transition so that I could capture best practices and make it a little bit easier for other people coming down the pike to reinvent themselves in a more seamless and fluid way. Yeah, certainly. I just want to throw something in here. 
Dory Anthony Fasano here. It's such a pleasure to have you. I've just been kind of sitting here as a sponge soaking this up. And I just want to throw something out there because of what you just said. You were coming out of grad school. We have a lot of engineers that listen to the podcast that are students and younger engineers and recent graduates. And one of the things that we always try to stress to them is you start to build your network really from day one. I think a lot of engineers and any all professionals sometimes take the approach that people in management, the project managers, they're the ones out there building networks and bringing in business. And I don't necessarily have to worry about that. But I think everything that you've said so far in this interview has indicated that you need to they be thinking about this idea of reinventing yourself throughout your career because when it is actually time to make a transition, you want to be prepared. You want to have a network to lean on. You want to have a presence that's admirable out there, that's reputable. And I think that it's important for you, the listener, to understand that this is actually starting for you now, no matter what point of your career you're in. So I, I just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, such a great point. Really important to start as soon as you can. I mean, you know, it, the famous, uh, I think it's a, a Chinese proverb that says uh, the best time to have planted a tree was 20 years ago, but the, right. next, the next best time is today. <laughs> yes. That's a great one. And it, it really, it falls back on, I want to say it was some of the information that came from Suzanne and the discussion we had with her about networking. And then it's come up again in a couple other podcasts that we've had, uh, interviews that we've had with individuals who are looking at, you know, like this career transition issue. And it's, you know, the, the network that you need, it's when you need it, that's not the time to be going out and building it because you're just not going to have the maneuver space or the rope to be able to get you to where you want to be. So very, very important. So one question I'll ask is, I'm facing this major career transition. I've been laid off or I've made this decision that I'm going to make a major career transition. And I've got an idea. I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go. And I know what my strategic change of focus is going to be. But it looks like an insurmountable mountain to start off, especially if you've been in inertia in the same similar type of job for quite a while. What's the first step where do you start? Because obviously that this journey of a thousand miles or the journey up the side of the mountain starts at that first step. If you have a, a reasonable vision of where you want to go, and it's just a question of, of what those steps are, typically they involve, I would say, three elements. There's three key pieces about how to get from here to there. The first one is skills acquisition. And so it's important as really a first step to say, all right, if I'm making a transition to a different job, a different you know company, a different career, whatever it is, are there skills, like tangible skills that I need to have that I don't have presently? And maybe it's learning a computer language. Maybe it is learning a foreign language. Maybe it is that you have discovered through your own experience or through employee feedback reviews that you're really bad at delegating. And you realize that if you're going to be a manager, you actually need to get pretty good at that. Whatever it is, but it, it's thinking through what are the tangible things that you need to know how to do and making a list of those. The second step is thinking about your network. So that is really a question about who are the people who you need to know and who need to know you and be supportive of you in order to get you to this next place. And if, for instance, you've decided you want to get a job at another company, but your entire social network all works for your existing company, that's a problem. And so you need to think, all right, what are the things I can do to broaden my connections in the industry? Who are some of the people I would like to meet? And then the third piece is about spreading your brand. So it's thinking, how do you communicate to others, not just through words, but through your actions, 
your new identity that you're aspiring toward. So for instance, if you really want to be viewed as uh, a kind of up and coming leader in your field and you want to send that message to people, maybe you need to start doing things like getting involved as a board member in your professional association or something along those lines. And so if you can start out by taking those three realms, skills, network, and social proof activities, and making a list of the things that you could be doing in each of them, even if you just pick one, almost at random, uh, but you know, just picking one off the list, I think the first step is just making that list and knowing what the pieces are you need to do. That's brilliant. And just to recap that, we're, you know, we're talking skills, people, and social proof. And I think what's important to really key in on that is those are all actions and steps that each individual can take themselves. They don't have to rely on anybody else outside to be a part of that, really, do they? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, certainly, you know, when you build your network, ultimately, you know, there's there's another person on the other side of it. <laughs> sure. But, you know, you you don't need anybody's permission to invite somebody out for coffee or to, uh, you know, to set up a dinner meeting or something like that. It's something that you can get started today. I want to foot stomp on that one because that's one that in many of the discussions I have with other engineers, there's a little bit of trepidation in just stepping out, and especially in the networking side and the social proof side. And so the advice that I provide is you have control over your own professional career, whether you think you do or you don't. In fact, you have total control over it. So move into that space, take a leadership role, and get out there and take charge of your professional career. And skills, network, and social proof are definitely three ways to make that happen. You know what, Chris, just to interject real quick, I think that I hear you and I always hear people saying to me, engineers, that, you know, I'm kind of in a dead end position. I can't get promoted because, you know, my boss isn't, isn't going to promote me. It's up to my boss where I go in my career. And my answer to them is it's not up to your boss. I mean, if you produce, if you do a lot of the stuff we do talk about on the podcast, you're going to be in a position where someone's going to say to you, this person has to go, you know, they're, they're great. We're going to move them up. We're going to promote them, or you're going to have other opportunities that come to you. So I think you're right. You got to get yourself out of the mindset of my success or progress is up to someone else other than me. That's completely false. Definitely. There's a lot of, a lot of individuals who may look at reinvention or rebranding as somewhat contrived or disingenuous. And it really isn't if you're coming at it from the right mindset, but would you be able to maybe share three different ways or any number of ways that an individual can step into this reinvention, this rebranding in a very credible and authentic fashion that is going to allow them to, to help them to really transmit that to get the social proof that you were talking about? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think that the place where sometimes people might think that reinvention or how you communicate around it is inauthentic is that it is true that sometimes there is a gap between where you want to be and where you actually are now. Let's say that somebody is going from being an engineer to saying, you know what, I want to become a, an executive coach for engineers, you know, and, and they, they decide that they want to do that. Well, okay, once you're in it, once you're in the thick of it, then sure, you can talk to people about all your experience that you've had and what your transition was like, and it's fantastic. But in that moment between you deciding you want to make this career shift and doing it, what do you do when somebody says, so what do you do for your clients? What kind of results have you gotten with your clients? And the truth is you don't have any clients, but how can you actually convince someone to be among the first to trust you in that way? That's a tricky situation for anybody, you know, whether you want to become an executive coach or whether you're 
you know, taking on a new, a new role and you just haven't done that type of project before or what have you. And so I would say that what is really essential in order to make it legitimate so that, you know, you need to balance the poles of not lying or exaggerating or saying you've done something that you haven't, but you also want to be confident enough and have enough meaty material to talk about with people so that they really will trust you and agree to give you their money, their time, their confidence in you is I think that it's important early on to lay the groundwork with a couple of things. One is volunteering and the other is creating content. And I'll explain both. The first thing is that people are not going to trust you if you just say, oh yeah, I'm sure I can do that. What people want is to know that you have done that in whatever capacity. Uh, The problem is that You're not going to get somebody to pay you usually for something that you absolutely have never done anything like. So how do you do it? Well, one of the best ways is to find a low stakes circumstance in which you can volunteer. So if you really do want to become an executive coach for engineers, I would say take a handful of people and offer to coach them for free to be your guinea pigs and say that as a condition of it, if they like it, if, if you do a good job, they will provide testimonials and referrals for you. And that way you actually have real work with real people that you can talk about. Similarly, if you are trying to learn a new skill or get into a certain area that you have not been in before, are there ways that you can, within your company, volunteer for a project where you're working just a bit on it? Or maybe there's a charity that you're involved in where you can start to kind of edge into that work and it's low stakes because, hey, they're not paying you. It's something that you're taking your time to do. And if it turns out it takes you three times as long because you've never done it before, that's okay because they know that you're a volunteer. So that's one way to do it. Another way to get credibility early on is to create content. And basically that means that you are giving people a window into how you see the world. You are writing about the way that you see problems, the way that you would approach them. And they can look at that and say, oh, okay, you know, he may not have done this before, but he certainly has a good opinion about it. I like how he thinks. And so that would make them more likely to give you a chance. So this is obviously one that kind of hits a little bit close to home (laughs) because it's actually a little bit of what I'm going through right now. So that's a good example to bring that through. But it also has applications really across the realm in the engineering career field of any type of work. So if you were in, let's say you're in civil engineering, you're doing land development, you want to move yourself in the environmental realm, or I've recently spoke with a a member of our engineering mastermind group who is in the oil and gas industry and really wants to be in sustainable engineering and has literally no background or experience in it. He has taken a very active role Dory, just to really to kind of go back to the three steps that you had laid out for us previously of developing skills by going back and getting an advanced degree, but he is really out developing a network. And and more importantly, this one's interesting. Not only is he developing a network, but he's doing it on another continent because that's where he's going to go to school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So in the social proof side, he's actively at the same time looking for opportunities to be able to volunteer with either companies, literally, I'll just come work for you for free just to get the experience, as well as other organizations. Definitely, there's work that's got to be done, and there's some planning that's got to be done on the front end to make it stick. I really think that this is, you know, this is something that's applicable to the younger engineers as well, who are stepping into their first positions, I would think, even without a lot of experience. It's, It's really kind of applicable in their situation as well, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It's completely applicable. You know, like we've been talking about, a lot of this stuff applies throughout your career. 
And these are the types of things that, Chris, we talk about all the time about developing yourself as an expert in the engineering field, right? I mean, that's what makes you stand out, especially in a, such a technical field. So a lot of the stuff that Dory is speaking about is things that you can do to start to develop a level of expertise in your field, like this engineer that you're referring to. He's now going to make a transition to another field. He needs to establish himself as an expert in that field, which is going to be by taking a lot of the steps that we talk about here. Because let's be honest, in the world of engineering, there's a lot of engineers and there's a lot of different disciplines. And it's not the kind of thing where you want to be a jack of all trades. You want to find a niche, you want to exploit it, you want to develop that expertise. And that doesn't start late in your career. It starts early. Before we move into it, there's a couple other topics I really want to really hit on here before the end of the interview. But one of the ones that I want to mention is, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but just to kind of, I guess, footstop this one as well, is that, you know, we're talking about reinventing and rebranding from a perspective of a major transition. But this really isn't always the case. There's going to be situations where there are going to be minor transitions, if you will, within an organization that you work in or within a company. So, what would you share with the individual who's like, hey, I've, I've got some skills, I've redeveloped them. I just got to make sure that, you know, my senior leadership knows that I've done this so that they understand what I've done. What kind of actions can they take within, you know, I guess they'd be minor reinventions. Are there kind of actions they might be able to take? Yeah, I mean, there there's some really basic ones that I think a lot of people overlook. One example, for instance, is at company meetings, gatherings, whatever, Always, you know, this is how conversations go. You are, you know, at some meeting or whatever, you see somebody, they say, oh, so hey, what have you been up to lately? Right? Everybody asks this question. And I would say at least 80% of people blow this question because what they say is, oh, nothing much. Oh, same old, same old. And that's a missed branding opportunity. What you can and should be doing instead is really thinking through what is the message I want to convey? What is the story that I would like other people to understand about me? I mean, hey, they're asking. It's not like you're shoving information down somebody's throat. And so if you just instead take a minute before the meeting to say, oh, you know, what is the most interesting thing that I'm doing? What is the impression that when they leave the room that I wish they would have about me? And so you think accordingly, oh, okay, well, I'm working on this really innovative sustainability project. That's the, the thing that I would like them to associate me with. So I will make a point, you know, if people ask to say, oh, well, you know, I, lately I've been doing a lot of work in sustainability and here's the most interesting piece about that. And so then, okay, great, you've planted the seed and that begins to become part of how they perceive you. It really comes down to planning. And if you're working in an engineering organization, whether it's private sector or public sector, and you know, especially know that you're going to be around senior leadership, division, division leaders, or the CEO, that they're going to be in the same room with you. This is one of those ones where you just you have to sit down and make sure that you've got that. You've got those one or two lines out about what are the main bullet points that I want to leave them with, especially if you're in a situation where you don't have those opportunities all the time. That's a great, great tip, Dory. Thank you for sharing that one. There's two other topics that you bring out in the book that I think are really relevant. First one's on mentoring. There's a lot of discussions, especially that Anthony and I have with younger engineers, but do you think it's important for mid and senior level professionals to have a mentor? And if so, why? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that mentorship is something that is useful and important at all stages in one's career, essentially because the premise of it is just that, hey, it's a mechanism that allows you to stop reinventing the wheel. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a person or people that you could turn to who would give you advice and insights that would just make problems go away a little bit faster? Someone to help guide you. So I think we really do all need that. The trick is that the higher up the ladder you go, it becomes more difficult to find mentors because, of course, the ranks are thinner and uh, at the top and the people who you would like to mentor you are busier. So what do you do with that? Well, one of the things that I actually suggest in uh, – and I talk at length about it in both Reinventing You and my new book, Stand Out, is that I think that it's actually important to begin to reconceptualize us to go away from this old model of having this one perfect person, this one perfect mentor who is senior to us, and instead begin to think more about having a mentor board of directors. So meaning a group of people that you can turn to for advice and insights, and some of them may be older, but some of them may be your peers, some of them may be even your direct reports, your subordinates, your interns, because There are facets that each of those people can probably teach you about and facets that they do better than you and that you can learn from. Anthony, you're going to want to jump in on that one, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Dory hit on it, but basically we're going to talk about this later, Chris, but another way I think as a senior to access mentors is to use the mastermind group module or the mastermind group setup because like Dory said, people are going to be busy and harder to find, but if you can get three people or two or three people that have more experience in you or similar and you get them talking, they're going to get something out of it and you are going to get something out of it. So it's kind of a, a circle of mentors. We'll get into the details later, but that's another avenue. This idea of the uh, mentor board of directors, I picked it up when I, when I did read your book. And even though it wasn't something that I originally had set about doing, it, it came into existence. I, I think in retrospect, it would have been better to have actually planned it out, but I'm certainly not going to complain. I, I literally am in that kind of a situation or a relationship right now with a number of people. There's four of them that I would classify as being on my version of that personal board of directors. All of them are younger than I am, which is interesting. I think just from the perspective that I am looking to individuals who have much more experience than I do in the areas where I am lacking, but they have exceptional skills in those areas and have been proven. So they're, they're bringing me along. They're helping me build up in these areas that I see that I need to have strength. So I think the concept that you brought forth in the book was absolutely fabulous. And I know that based that it was popularized on a mastermind group concept out of Think and Grow Rich by uh, Napoleon Hill. And Anthony and I run a mastermind group for engineers as well, kind of helping them, giving them this opportunity to be able to work and interact with other motivated engineers. It's obviously one way to help navigate the reinvention journey. But why is this? I think that, that mastermind groups are, uh, are really a very powerful tool. And in, in Standout, I actually profile a woman named Kari Anderson, who I really wanted to include in the book because I felt like she had a pretty singular experience It turned out I had known her for a number of years and didn't realize this about her until she casually mentioned it one day, and I thought it was rather astonishing, which is that she is in two mastermind groups. One has been meeting continuously every month since 1989 and the other since 1994. Wow. So these these have literally formed 
Yeah, it's amazing. And they've literally formed the bulk of her professional experience. She says that the people in the groups know her better than literally anyone else in the world aside from her immediate family. And it has just been transformative to her professional life. And so I think the idea here that is really critical is that for too many of us, we spend our time with people in a very haphazard way. We get together with people who just email us and say, hey, you know, do you want coffee? Do you want dinner? And then that's who we spend time with. And that's not how it should be. We need to be more deliberate. We need to be more strategic about how we think about this and and how we do it. And so if we can be conscious who should be in our mastermind group or if it's not a formalized group, you know, who at least do we consciously want to choose to spend more time with? That's a powerful decision that can really begin to alter who we are and who we become. Absolutely. In the last few months for myself, it has been very transformational to purposefully, with a strategic intent, find individuals who, who I've been able to develop, you know, essentially develop this mastermind group, and it has been very, very useful for myself. I would expect that, or suspect based off of this conversation, that, that you've used one in the past. You may even be in one. So I'm just going to ask, have you been in one, and what kind of results did you find that helped you move your career forward? I think there's variations of mastermind groups that you can use. And so I've actually used a couple of different variations. So one, of course, is just, you know, what I'll call informal masterminds. You know, what I was just talking about with Kari Anderson is much more deliberate. You know, there's six or eight people or however many in the group and they meet every month. They have sort of an established order of how they have their conversations, et cetera. I'm not a participant in a group like that. However, I definitely have sort of, informal mentors, kind of informal personal board of directors that I turn to for various questions that I have and facets that I want to explore. And I also am a member of actually three different, I'll call them online mastermind groups. You know, they're sort of listservs on steroids that have periodic meetups in various cities. And so one is for authors, one is for internet marketers, actually two of them are for internet marketers. So there's uh, lots of trading back and forth about ideas and uh, best practices. I think Dory made a good point in that when you say masterminds, I think sometimes people might get scared because they think it's a big time commitment. And listen, if you want to have a real valuable mastermind, I do recommend the smaller group where you do have a time commitment. I'm in a once a week mastermind. We meet every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. because a lot of the people in it got to get up, they got to go to work. And it's been helpful for me just to stay on Vector. But what I would say is that you can also join these online communities. Chris and I are members of online community as well. And that gives you kind of the on-demand support that you need if you want to go in and you want to put in post and get some feedback. If you want to go to a meetup, as Dory referred to, if they come to the city around you or they have an annual meetup or something like that, because let's be honest, it's really hard to go through a career or just life in general, kind of on your own, trying to figure all these career things out. So anytime you can lean on people, it's going to be helpful. And that's why Chris and I built the engineering mastermind for the same reason. I mean, engineers have the same challenge. Everyone has the same challenge. So I just kind of want to dispel any myths that the mastermind is going to take a lot of time. But that being said, like anything else, if you get into a small one and put time into it, you'll probably get quite a bit out of it. Yeah, definitely. It's an opportunity for transformation on a a completely different level. 
Well, with that, uh, we're going to close out the main segment of the show, and we're going to move into the Take Action Today segment. And Doria, if you've got a couple minutes, we'd like to just ask you to stick around. Let's do it. Awesome. We'll be right back. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, and Dory's stuck with us to provide you with actionable input you can use to implement your own reinvention plan. But before that, I want to offer a word from our sponsor who makes this show possible, PPI. Our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. And hands down, we recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, we have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. Use promo code COACH for 15% off your order at ppitopass.com slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it's the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindenberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam, and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppitopass.com slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. All right, Dory. So we've shared some pretty awesome information with the listeners today about rebranding, reinventing. We've got them some great resources they can go tap into, as well as uh, talked about mentoring and mastermind groups. And I got one last question. This is really aimed at, at what an engineer can do immediately with limited levels of, uh, of involvement and energy, but really go just take action with. And that is, what would be three actions that an engineer can take with regards to their online presence that are going to help them in their rebranding efforts? Well, if you're thinking about your online presence, you know, one really basic thing, it, which I hope most people have already done, but if they haven't, they should do it right away, is to set up a Google alert on yourself. You can literally just Google the phrase Google alert and it will come up and for free you can get daily tracking where Google will email you if your name has been mentioned online. So you may want to throw in – if you have a common name, you may want to throw in another word that can differentiate you like your company name or something because if your name is Michael Jordan, you might get a lot of hits that are not about you. But uh, but that's a, a useful way to keep on top of things uh, so that if somebody says something nice about you, you can thank them. And if something goes up about you that is incorrect, you can take action quickly on it. That's number one. Number two is – I teach courses at the Fuqua School of Business at Duke about this, and one point that I make, it's so simple, it's so basic, but literally, you spend 60 minutes, 90 minutes, that's it. That's all you need to really optimize your LinkedIn profile and just spend the time at a very basic level filling it out. You know, Put in a good picture. Take the time to actually fill out your job descriptions. Take the time to write recommendations for a couple of people and you know, maybe ping your good friends and colleagues and ask them if they would write a recommendation for you. Something like that. Just an hour or so can make a very big difference. And then the third thing that I'll say is uh, I think it is really important to start creating content on LinkedIn. It's very easy. Anyone with an account now can start blogging for them and write a blog post so that in the moment when people are looking you up, interested in your opinion, they're seeing your profile, 
they can actually begin to see a bit about how you see the world if you write an interesting blog post. I appreciate that very much. And I hope all of you out there today enjoyed the episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and your questions. You can go to engineeringcareercoach.com and either search for this episode, leave a question in the comments section, or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. Anthony and I read all the comments, and we're going to respond if you leave us one. So let us know what your challenges are and where we can help. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.